We're still low. Welcome to the Hero Podcast, hosted by Victor, the Rocket Man Rancor. Here to take your HVAC business and sales to the moon. Shooting live from beautiful Southern California. Come this way. Come What's up? Welcome to the Hero Podcast. Uh, I got some exciting guests here today uh, joining me on the podcast. I got Mr. Jordan Beebe and Brittany Beebe. They are the uh, co-CEOs of Ruder Ranger Plumbing out in, uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. You guys are in multiple states too, right? You're in California as, as well? Yep, Nevada yeah. and Arizona. California. Can you guys, can't hear you guys. Is our, okay. Our microphone's on. Is that better? Why is this showing? Should be good now. You gotta get him. Get over him, right? lagging for some reason i'm not i can't hear you guys hear us at all i can't hear you guys hold on real quick let's check this out your audio yeah i'm working can you should guys hear me on the pod? You should be able to hear me. Can you play live? Sorry about this, guys. I'm not I'm having a trouble hearing you guys. Huh. Yeah, we can hear you perfect over here. I just don't hear him. Stand by, guys. We'll get this figured out. All righty. Sure. <laughs> I'm just gonna call him. Can you can hear me, right? Yeah, we can hear you perfect. <clears throat> oh, I can hear them. I can I can hear them, but they I can't hear them though. Okay. Hold on one second, guys. I can hear you. I can for some reason it's not coming through my headphones. Let me give me a second. What the fuck? Can you guys talk? Can you hear me now? We, we can, can hear, hear you. We can yes. hear you the whole time. Cool. Hold on a second. I'm going to switch headphones. I promise I can't hear you guys. Sorry about that. I don't know what the, what the technical uh, technical difficulty was, but it was my southern for a reason. I couldn't hear you guys speak, so I was going to have a hard time having a conversation like that. Can you hear uh, us? We'll jump back into it. Welcome to the Hero Podcast. I got Jordan and Brittany uh, BB on here. They are the co-CEOs of Ruder Ranger Plumbing out in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and they're also in multiple different states. And I'm excited about this episode because this isn't them just jumping on and talking about themselves and their story. Uh, they actually want to jump on today and actually go into how the hell did they grow this business in less than four years and be able to exit for such a massive amount of money and also along the way do it with you know great reviews and great customer service and all those things. So super excited to have you guys on. Uh, welcome to the show, Jordan and Brittany. 
Thank, Thank you so you. much. We're so Vic. happy to be here. Can you hear us Appreciate now? Appreciate it. You can hear us now, right? You got the yeah, right. I can hear you guys finally. <laughs> I'm so glad it wasn't our fault. <laughs> I blame I blame the technical guy on this end. So anyway, so we're always the shit show, but today we weren't. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm used to it at this point. So anyway, so like I said, I'm, I'm excited to have you guys on. Everybody that's in here tuned in. We got some. We have a decent amount of viewers now. Pretty much everybody asked me how in the how in the hell did these guys grow this business so fast? Where did they come from? What are they? What's their background? And also, you know, just how do you even do that? So, if you guys want to kind of jump in and kind of start your story from where you started with Ruder Ranger and, and kind of where you are now. Of course, yeah. Go ahead, ladies first. You can you explain it. Yeah, go ahead, babe. So, if the question is like how you scaled so fast or built so fast, I think that for us. Um, what differentiated us from other businesses. We both come from entrepreneurial backgrounds. So he, he's a third generation plumber. Um, his uncle, his uncles were plumbers. His dad was, was a plumber. And then his grandpa owned BB plumbing in Iowa. So, and then they started BB plumbing out here. And then my dad owned a general contracting business. So we both come from those backgrounds, but what set us apart is we built this from day one to sell. So, we knew day one when we were planning, when we were plotting, when we were, you know, thinking of strategies of, you know, how we were going to start the business. <clears throat> every time it was built to sell was top of mind. So that went into every single decision we made from, you know, prioritizing reputation to um, retaining employees. Everything we did, we always thought we're going to sell this and we're going to try to sell it within five years. And we just basically went into overdrive. So, well, you know, I made a post the other day and it was like, Hey, what's your end game. Right. And the reason I asked that, right. Is because most of the guys that are ever successful at exit businesses successfully do it the same way that you guys are doing it. Like they, they built it. They had a plan. My exit by five years, I'm selling this damn thing. And right. you can't stress how important that is, but to actually say, Hey, I'm going to go sell this in five years and also be able to execute it as a two totally different things. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think just, a lot of people think your pinnacle of excellence is entrepreneurship. And if that's your pinnacle of excellence, you're really, you're, you get that financial freedom, but it's at a cost of your time. And so if you can't have time and financial freedom, are you really winning? So you really do have to have an exit plan. How can your business run successfully without you? And that was our number one priority to grow the business was getting Jordan out of the field. Because if we can't do things, if we can't go on vacation, and we're making all this money, what's the money good for? And I think that people don't realize there's a whole nother layer to the game, which is exiting your business. And it's not just, oh, I'm an entrepreneur now. Because if you're a slave to your business, you're really not free. Hi, I'm a slave. Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you guys. I'm, I'm, they call me Mr. Slave. Well, uh, we, and we, we literally set the table, uh, you know, this was, this was way before we even started our company. Um, this goes way back to when my wife was with me when I was trying to make my football dreams come true, which unfortunately didn't happen, but obviously led to some other greater success and, you'd be left. and save my body. Um, yeah. plus, you'd be single. She I see, I see those day. I see those dance moves, buddy. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> to allow me to, to she wasn't going to be willing to allow me to travel and, you know, go all over the United States playing football and stuff. And I'm very um, controlling over here. I'm glad it didn't work out. Uh, but the table started at that point in time. 
Um, my family, again, as she spoke about, is third generation. My grandfather was a frogman in Korea, uh, got out of there, uh, started a plumbing HVAC company. He became a master craftsman, small town in Iowa, 3,000 people, taught my dad, taught my uncles. Tough cookie, very tough cookie. My dad, he's extremely tough. He decided to stay around, uh, get trained by my grandfather. You know, he wanted to take over the legacy in a small little town. He loved that environment, being able to help everybody around. My uncles were like, hell with this. We're going to a bigger, broader market. We can't work for you, dad. You're well, by the way, talk about your grandpa who like died in the shop. Yeah, like, yeah. It's... Slave to your business. He was like 90 years old. that we learned along the way and, and things that again took us back to that that moment of, of realization of what it is that we we're going to embark on um but going back again my grand my grandfather you know was keep losing their sound their service is pretty bad hope the best for you but you don't ask me for money anymore um they failed the first time they failed they took his ten thousand dollars i think he loaned them they failed and they were out on their own and so it's funny what they did they actually they, they like to have a good time so they went into the bars and they started networking with the new construction guys and they met some of the guys who worked for you know some of the bigger builders the home some of the other guys that were local around here that were doing big things and they just started their plumbing company basically, basically off of relationships. I mean, that was drinking beers and relationships. They would go there every week, meet the same guys, and they ultimately built their company up to almost 600 employees. Um, so I got an opportunity once my football dreams didn't work out to go work for them. And I was just, I was blown away as a young kid, seeing what my grandfather started with, seeing what my uncles now are, you know, took our family legacy and built it to something bigger. But it also taught me something about what was truly available in our marketplace. And they weren't capturing it. They were primarily new construction. And they used to joke around and say, oh, yeah, service is a write-off. Tell, tell them about your first raise. Uh, yeah, I, I was making $8 an hour. And I went into my uncle's and I said, hey, you know, I've been working two years now, $8 an hour. Can I get a raise? Like, I, I'm your hardest worker. I stay as long as you need me to. I'm the first one in the morning. Um, last one to leave, like, you know, is there any way I can get a raise? And they laughed, <laughs> you know, and I was like, it was just like, okay. So I they went back to the whole drain market. And I think a lot of plumbing companies, when we, when we built our company, it was literally a hundred percent. We're focusing on drains and that's the biggest margins where all the money is. That's where we so, so and here. understand that, Hey, we need to build the service department. So lo and behold, four years in, I'm still making $8 an hour. And I convince them, hey, let's start developing the service department. Next thing you know, I'm selling over there and they're like, wow, oh, wow, this is good money. Okay, they started creating competitions, all these things, and it was blowing up quickly. So I went in and I said, hey, you know, I, I convinced you to grow your service department. I think it's time for us to evolve this and I wanna be, I wanna, you know, spearhead this. Can I get a raise? Matt, $8 an hour, four years in this puppy, let's go. And, um, they're, they said no again, um, but I went and revisited them again. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to fucking accept this. There's no way. So I went back in 
and they gave me a pay raise to, um, I believe it was to $15 an hour. Okay. And I was, I was happy. I was happy. I was excited. You know, six months by, we're starting to crank out some revenue and they're loving it. Right. And so I go back again and I say, Hey, and, and it may sound like a lot of raises, but, but imagine still, babe, I'm, you were not, they were never focusing on dreams. Yeah, it we was weren't. like Olive Garden with like Alberto's. It was like maybe some jetting, but yeah. there was never a commission structure. And so I think a lot of plumbers like Jordan who are in their early twenties and they're working for a plumbing company, they just actually have no idea what's available to them. They don't know that there's commission positions out there where they can sell drains, they can sell hydro jetting, sewer replacements, all of that, and make themselves hundred, two, three hundred thousand dollar living a year. And he was blind to that. I didn't we realize. Actually, we didn't found realize. his first job on Craigslist. Well, let's not get ahead of that though. Well, that, that's that's where I started my AC career is Craigslist. So <laughs> let's talk about how we got there real Craigslist quick. Is good for so many I, I was looking for a $16 an hour uh, wage. So 15 to 16, right? I'm doing good things. Now we're now we're doing, you know, a couple million dollars a year in service. And they declined me and they and my uncle says, get the fuck out of my office. And I, I literally at that point in time, I had enough, you know, I've been turned down so much. I'm persistent as they come, but I was like, no more, no more. Um, had some expletives, some words transpired. They, you know, walked me out of my they own family they office, escorted me out of my own family office, got drove home. I thought about, a lot about everything. It, it started. Mind to you, really... wait, wait, you forgot a very important part. Yeah. I was pregnant. Yes. First, first child pregnant. Um, and so, you know, a lot of things started to roll through my mind and a little bit of panic settled in because, you know, we weren't financially well off and, you know, I'd been now committed almost five years of my life. And asking, you know, for $16 an hour, which, you know, in retrospect, I, I, oh my gosh, if my employees ever made $16 an hour, they, they would be gone the next day. Um, and uh, so we go home and me and her, this is when our teamwork really came together and really our true partnership. Aside of our personal relationship, this is when we really, going back to the table that was set, this is when it started. And we started to think about all of the things that my family did wrong in their business and all the things that employees were loyal to them and they didn't take care of them and they didn't really, they, they weren't like invested in the relationships as much as they were, as they should have been. They thought they were and they thought that the people loved them and, and this, that, and the other, but the people didn't know any better. They were blinded. Yeah, they they came up, blind. they came up within the company and they seen the company blow up. So they were proud to work there and it was a good company, but they didn't take care of their employees or, or really relish the relationships like they should have. And we started to soak that in. And as we did that, we're like, Hey, we need to make money right now. Right? So we started the game plan of like, we're going to use this as a trial run right now, being so an employee. So we went to ARS. We went to Craigslist. We, and we, no, we went to Craigslist. Went to Craigslist. Went, we to Craigslist. JB went to Craigslist. I started working a little bit on the side, doing some things. And she's like, but hey, I, have to, I have to tell a very Oh, okay, yeah. sorry. So, so the the humbling story about Jordan is like I was basically Jordan's sugar mama, and he doesn't he doesn't like to talk. My man, hell yeah! Hey, my wife. Hey, before before I got into shit, my wife was made all the money. I just spent it on the weekend. So I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm over here managing, you know, a call center, and he is over here at Discover wrapped Park. up in a snuggie, and I don't know if anybody. <laughs> But Jordan loved his Iowa Hawkeyes. He would never, and 
all day long. I would fucking leave to go to work for eight to nine, 10 hours. I was pregnant also, eight months pregnant. <laughs> I would come home and I would think like maybe he did some housework, something since he's like clearly a kept man now off my $29,000 a year salary. And I would come home and he's playing Call of Duty in his Snuggie still <laughs> with his in and out burger bag, with his can of chew. Like, oh, see, I, I was different. I, she came home, I had an apron on. I was in there doing dishes and shit. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, he took me for granted and I, I would get my ass home and I'd be back in the kitchen. And I'm like, listen, this isn't working. We're putting you on Craigslist. We're, we're whoring you out. You're going to go do some plumbing work. We started JV Plumbing and I was like his little like Craigslist marketer. I will say this and real quick. Let me say, add to this. He would this. be like, well, I made like $5,000 this week because I did this job on Craigslist. And I'm like, yeah, but you like sat on your ass all week long. Like, but he was in a depression. I was. Because he loves to work. Jordan, yeah. like, oh, Jordan, I he told, like never stops. That's stop. what I want to talk about. Like he, his, his drive, his, it, it's insane to the point where like, I'm a very social person. I'm a very outgoing person. But like to Jordan, I'm like, Jordan, I need to like sleep. Like it's like, I mean, when we started our business, it'd be four or five o'clock in the morning and we're still up like strategizing. We're still up like building this business, thinking of like, what's next? What's next? How are we going to build out this next location? How, who are we going to recruit? Where are we going to recruit? And I it got to the point where I like, I was like, Jordan, this is a lot. Like, I think this is key for entrepreneurs existing and entrepreneurs. This is, and sorry to be long winded about this, but we want to hit all aspects of this so people truly understand what goes into this and the type of passion that we have for our industry now. Um, at the time, I told Roland Lightenberg on the, about, we talked about this in the podcast. I love Roland. How's, how's we, we got to go up to his winery, by the way. He invited yeah. me, so we should, we should all go up there. I wish he accommodated the size of our business. We, we did a podcast with House Colin. I told him this. I said, I literally went through depression because I went through major two major forms of failure. I didn't make it. when I, As a little kid, I always thought I was going to be a professional football player. And I was so close. I was right there. I, you know, I was, I, I got signed in the arena football league the same year that I met her, but I, you know, at the workouts, my dad first took me to San Jose and I was working out there and I was talking to Washington, New York Giants, you know, all these NFL teams. So like in my mind, it was still a possibility. Well, that year we went into a recession. They canceled the whole arena football league. I didn't get to play a whole season and it, it created like a sense of depression. So that was my first major failure point. And I'm a young kid, right? So those are my expectations. They failed. Now I go work for my family. I'm working. I'm thinking I'm building up inside the company. I failed, right? Even though they didn't accommodate me and I was doing the right thing, I failed. In my mind, I failed. So two major failure points. So I went through a, a minor state of depression, honestly. And I have pictures of, and, of him oh, and his come on. We don't need to go that I direction. have pictures of him. So I, I, I need those. I I knew that I, I wasn't going to be knocked down and, and drug. I just needed some time to really, you know, get into a good mental place and really refocus on what my goals were. And, you know, having a significant other and anybody who has a significant other can say this. You're always much stronger as a man when you have a strong, significant other. I mean, you know, your woman's going to push you. And she was like, what or, in the or beat your or ass. Beat your ass. She's like, what in the fuck are you doing? And so instead of it being like a one month depression, it became like a, maybe like a five day depression because she's like, get your ass up, stop licking your wounds and let's fucking get started. We, we're I found him an amazing Craigslist opportunity. <laughs> and <laughs> yes. I was tired of being the sugar mama and I found him an amazing 
Craigslist opportunity. It said you can make up to 75K a year. Yeah. It's like, Jordan, this is life changing for us. <laughs> That's the same ad that I responded to for Service Champions. So I, I get it. Okay. I was like, I was like, they're going to pay me 60 grand a year. Fuck yeah. Yeah. This so, was Ken Goodrich. It was for Sonny Plummer. But at the time, no. it was Aaron. It was Rescue Reader at the Rescue time. Rescue Reader. Rescue Reader at the time. I said, they say you can make up to 75K. Like, get your fucking clothes on. You're going down for an interview. And I they loved him because his I, personality is like contagious. Everybody loves a little Jordan Beebe. So <laughs> they were like a little, just a, a little, just dose. a little sprinkle, not little too sprinkle. much. Cause he'll wear you out. But <laughs> <laughs> so I went and met with now who is my CEO, Damon Brahma Jim. Um, and he hired me and, and how, you know, things well, come full circle. And, and Ken was running the Southwest division and he was in a position where he wanted to take over Gettle and everything underneath ARS because they're having some troubles. And in I Tucson. will say, like, what a phenomenal mentor. Yeah, I think I think that Ken really has like taught the industry to build. To I do want to. I do want to touch on. And that. I do think that a lot of people think, like I said before, entrepreneurship is the pinnacle of excellence. It's definitely not. Like you want to build a sell. You want to exit. You don't want to be a slave to your business. And it's just like, how, what's your roadmap to get there? So coming in off of my working at my family's company um, and then going through that little slight depression, you know, going to work there, I was super, I was ready to rock and roll. Okay. I knew that I couldn't come home empty handed. You, so you also have to touch on the fact that like due to your depression, you were like number one in Call of Duty. Yeah. <laughs> He I was loved, number one in Call of Duty, but like I wanted to be, hours in a week. And I, he was <laughs> I wanted to be number one making money. So I come into ARS and they're like, hey, we, I was like, um, do you guys have a van available? And they're like, yeah, we got all these vans. I was like, ooh, these are, these are rough. And they're like, I was like, what about the shiny blue one right there? That's brand, is That looks brand new. And they're like, yeah, you can't have that. And I was like, well, why not? They're like, that's for the number one guy. And I said, okay, well, I am the number one guy. They're like, you just started. And I was like, yeah, that's I know. a very Jordan baby. Thing I'm going to be say. number one. And they're like, okay, well, if you're number one this month, the, your first month, and I started actually on January 1st. And um, I was like, okay, I'm going to be number one. So I have to ride around in one of these vans for 30 days until I can get in there. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you do. So I was like, oh, perfect. I'll take that van in 30 days, let all the other employees know so they're not mad at me. I'm going to be number one. You're so, win the competition. Fair win the square. competition fair and square. So, 30 days later, I'm getting my new van. And um, all the employees hate me. And I'm like, you know, I kind of had, I, I called everybody and I said, listen, guys, we're all one team. I don't want to take away from anything. But you have to understand at the time we were running maintenance calls, they gave me nothing but maintenance calls for 30 days straight. I never even knew what maintenance calls were. I didn't know. What the hell to he even do? never knew he was taking the shit calls. I was just running the calls and going out and building relationships and going out and, and taking care of people's plumbing problems. So my first month there, I sold as a, as a sales technician. So not a supervisor, but as a sales technician, supervisors wouldn't even come to my jobs um, because they're like, they didn't want all the other technicians to be mad at them. So first month in all maintenance calls, I sell 95,000 as a sales technician. We got to so, shout out Ulysses. All the supervisors Ulysses, come in Ulysses and they're like, was what? He was Ulysses, your supervisor. Yep. Ulysses Peralta was my but supervisor. Then he, stepped down to you. he came to me and he said, listen, he's like, obviously you're talented. I want to work with you. Fuck all these other guys. So we kind of teamed up and, and it just built off of there. The next thing you know, they're like, 
Damon comes to me and says, Hey, you're, you're selling as much as, you know, as a tech, as more than our supervisors are selling. We need to make you a supervisor and everybody's going to be re pissed off at you. Even though you've started to build relationships within the team, they're all going to get mad at you again. So I went through that process. And just like he said, everybody got mad. Now my boss became my underneath me as my technician. They moved him out and moved, which was a little bit of a tough time, but he started it was tough, but I think he made more money. He started to make more money. And so, but also too, we got to touch on. So Damon was your mentor and now he works for us. And he's still mentoring us yeah. every day. He knows yeah. so much. He's worked with Chaz Roberts, some of the the biggest air conditioning company probably in Arizona. They're a phenomenal company. But okay. now he's here at our company, which was always a dream. Jordan and I were like, oh, what can we do to get Damon? Can't afford him. Can't afford him. And then the day we could afford him, we're like, we're bringing on Damon. <laughs> I, I, got, I got something in the works the same way. And I keep telling myself I can't afford it, but I'm going to make it fucking happen. You got to make it happen because it'll pay you back, right? You like to. you get the right people in place, they pay you back. We knew, we knew, and, and you know, and, and Ken knows this, you know, uh, Ken and Damon had had some difficulty working together, but Ken always brought him back in because Ken's a very smart guy because he knows Damon's strong. It's just that there there is egos that clash there. And, and, and so it just never worked out the perfect way that it was supposed to because of that. And I think that, you know, at some points there was feelings involved and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, we looked back and we we're like, Ken makes good decisions as far as knowing what talent is out there and what people bring to the table. And so we were like, hey, you know, as we started, we, to we start knew bringing Damon on was a good decision. And yeah. that's just like if we're going to talk about like how to scale so quickly, a lot of it is putting your ego aside. So one example I'll always, you know, give is. I feel like it's, and I've seen it all over service Avengers, service Einstein's is um, hire slow, fire fast. We built our business actually doing the opposite. Exactly. So we went into overdrive. It's higher, 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 higher. As many hires as we can get, we want to hire because we know there's a shortage in the industry. So if you can get top talent, like hire them, hire them, hire them. And the advantage to that is not only are you stealing from your competition, but we all know that all of our our entire businesses are dependent on the marketing. And if you don't have the salespeople to drive the marketing, you really can't get, you can't feed your sales guys. So you can't keep them. So for us, we knew that, you know, when it comes down to your budding heads with your sales techs, anybody who's at a high sales level, they've got an ego. And a lot of times it's easy to say, you know, fuck it. We don't need them. Well, if they're a hundred thousand dollar a month producer, and they're producing, you know, 1.2 to 1.5 million a year. And you have at the top of your mind, like we said, a built to sell model. You're thinking and you're staying engaged with what are the multiples at? So if, you know, you're getting a 40%, you're at 40% um, profitability, 20 to 40, whatever it is, depending on your business and how big you are in your overhead, you don't want to lose those top sales guys. And you think of that and that's at the top of your mind. Well, if somebody came to you and said, hey, you know, it's going to cost you a million dollars to lose this argument with a tech and tell him to go park his fucking truck. Are you going to say, hey, park your fucking truck? Or are you going to be the bigger person, actually mentor that person, teach them leadership, which they're going to pass on to the people beneath them? And that's how your culture is built. Or are you going to say, hey, kick rocks. We don't want to deal with you. We don't want to deal with your attitude. And cool. so ego aside comes into play a lot 
when it comes into building your business quickly and being able to sell. I think one of the one of the first conversations I ever had with Jordan Brittany was, you know, I'm like, you know, I, I was growing fast, but I saw his plum, you guys' plumbing company growing. And I asked Jordan, I said, you know, I'm like, what's the key to success? And he told me, he's like, dude, find out what your guys, what drives your guys, like find out each individual guy, what drives them and then go just keep poking them until they go get what they want. One of the top three things I would say is employee retention. It's, it's fire slow. You want to fire slow because the thing is, is what kind of manager or owner or leader are you if you can only manage the easy people to manage? Like one of our, one of my favorite employees, like honestly, ride or die. One of the best employees we have, one of my favorite people, period, is Daniel Beyer. And I would say it took a lot of breaking down walls, breaking down walls. And he's grown to the point where he's such a phenomenal leader. He's such a phenomenal mentor to so many people in our business. And we would have never had that if we gave up. He on sells five hundred thousand dollars a month. If you if you give up on your employees, it's like give up on your employee when they're a hundred thousand dollars a month. It's like put in a little effort, put in a little care. Like, and we genuinely care about our employees, and I think that's what sets us apart. But you have to think the second part if we're going deeper is what happens when you lose that one point two million a year. It goes to your competition. When it goes to your competition, it drives up your marketing costs because now your competition has an extra one point two million dollars revenue to play with, and now you're sitting there spending more money because you you have trained these guys you put in all that sweat equity and now they've just gone somewhere else just because you didn't take the time to take you know maybe a half an hour call i'd be on the phone i've with created our guys. a monster i've I, created a monster I've been on the call <laughs> this is why she's like on this podcast i've created a monster everybody 30 minutes and 30 minutes like to these guys like they just want to know you care and I'm going to be really honest, like we genuinely do care. Like we started this business with enough money to retire. We didn't have to start this business. We started this because we wanted to help the industry. We wanted to give back to the industry. And we, we've honestly, we have all these guys invested in our company where we have buyouts invested and we, that's another way we breed loyalty, but well, you know. the, other, the other thing you circle back on is, you know, key players are, they want to go compete with key players, right? So I remember yeah. leaving, I left service champions and I went to another mm -hmm. business where I became the only A player. And I'm like, dude, I don't even want to be in the same fucking room as these losers. What? Like, fuck these guys. <laughs> yeah. So like, I look back when, like, when we started it, I, it was the main focus was our model was like create a championship team. I, I played on the college uh, football national championship team. We went 11 and 0. And like, I knew what type of bonds we had. And it was all walks of life. Town, town of 3,000 people I came from, right? Small little, you know, hardworking blue collar farmer town. And I'm playing with people from Compton, from Camden, New Jersey, from some of the roughest neighborhoods in, in the entire world. And like, we don't have a lot in common. But like it was all so stemmed you do, off. You want to win. Yeah, it was all stemmed off a relationship. So personally, we didn't. But on a team aspect, we did have a lot in common because we wanted to be the best and we wanted to work towards it. And there were things we had to work through because when you're coming from different angles and different perspectives and different upbringings, it's hard to get on the same level of people. And especially as an owner, when you're bringing in employees, you want to make sure that those employees that you have to understand that it's not just your way or the highway. You're going to have to make adaptations. You're going to have to adjust to those people. They didn't get brought up the same way you did. Even if you struggle, I grew up poor and, and, and we got to the place that we're at. That doesn't I, mean I anything. Not it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah, she, she did. She's like, but, not me, fucker. <laughs> it's one of those things where you have to find that 
I see so many times we're like, you know, guys are like, oh yeah, this guy got uh, mouthy and he was talking this way and I fired him. And it's like, you got to step back and you have to realize that you're a leader. And, and, and just as I tell my supervisors in the field, your technician, their performance is, is almost 50%, if not more, based on your leadership ability. So if they're selling, you know, 50, 60,000 and our expectations from a sales tech are $100,000 a month and our supervisors is $400,000 a month, if we're expecting that and we see a technician at 50,000 every single month, we're going to pull that supervisor aside and say, what is, we're not going to pull the tech aside and say, hey, what's going on with you? We're going to say, what's going on with your leadership capabilities, not being able to get this guy to grow? Because every leader has to take responsibility for what it is that they're not doing that's, that's holding somebody else back. That's the whole point of being a leader. You have to take that ownership. And, and if you're not humble enough to say, hey, yeah, I'm not really good here, then you need to get the right person in the place to be able to do so. And that's the thing is- Or if you're not humble enough to meet your employees at their level. Yeah. So maybe your employee is just really immature or they've had a, a bad upbringing or whatever it is that they don't trust or whatever it is. You have to be able to say, oh, instead of this guy's an asshole, park your truck, you're fucking done. It's what's going on? What's deeper? What, like, what can I do to help you? Like, what can I do to be a friend? And at that point, not only do they look at you as, you know, obviously their boss, but it's somebody who's mentoring them, somebody who's a leader, and then they want to stay. And it, it really does breed the loyalty because, yeah. and then they pass that, that's contagious. Loyalty is contagious. They pass that on. And I will say like, that is the probably biggest thing with one of our strongest employees, which is Daniel Byer is, you know, did have a rough upbringing, but was hard to earn his trust. But it's like, we do genuinely care about our employees and just having that genuine care Sincerity. for your employees. And sincere. Well, so, you know, obviously having employees is, is thing. So I'm, if I'm put yourself in a shoe, I'm a, I'm a small time plumber. I got a couple guys and they're just trying to probably wrap their head around like, you know, just like anybody else, like how, like how I grew, but how did, how did you guys, you guys start day one, how did you guys start generating enough leads and, and be able to implement those processes quickly to be able to scale this thing so fast? I, because you can't, you can't just turn it on one day and then it's going to show up. So there's, there's had to been steps that you took. Yeah. yeah. So, so one thing we've done different, cause I want this podcast to be like educational because there are a lot of things we've done different than the standard person would do in the plumbing industry is we, some of our top performers are Home Depot greeters. They're, they worked at Discover Card in a call center. They worked in the restaurant business. And it was really just us finding good communicators and farming our own employees. And the thing that sets us apart is we really just specialize people. So we've got, you know, three different channels. We've got the opener, the closer, and the install. So if you're an installer and you're strong at install, you install that plumbing. But before that, the first step to the process is the opener. And that's just somebody that's a great communicator that can get the supervisor to the job. And when you get the supervisor to the job, they close the job for you. So they're just able to identify that there's a blockage, they clear that blockage, and then they say, hey, we need a camera. And if you're in plumbing, really, you should really try to focus on the drains because that's where the biggest returns Whoa. are. I, I think I think the first time I ever met you, Brittany, and it was kind of a funny story. So, you know, Jordan flies me out. We were talking about, you know, maybe partnership and all this stuff about a year ago. And, and I just I, flew out there. I, I never well, I never met Jordan. I never met none of you guys. I show up at your house. The first time I see you and you're like, you're like, yeah, no, we're just, we only do fucking drains. I don't, you're here. Jordan's <laughs> no. like, well, Victor's here. She's like, we only do fucking drains. Okay. And I'm like, oh shit. I wasn't trying to be a bitch, but it's like, I'm trying to do your the air conditioning has so much overhead and it's just so much. And if you're in it and you know that industry, it's great. 
But like, if I'm a plumber and like, I know to turn out a drain tech, like I've turned out Casey, who is from Discover Card, who literally managed a collections department. And we sent him, you know, with our technicians and he's just a great communicator. And we turned him out in like, what, like eight weeks. That's a lot sooner. And it's, I think everybody does know that drains is going to be more lucrative. It's going to be a quicker turnout to produce employees than HVAC. And so us, like if we're already in that industry, it is hard to want to go into HVAC because HVAC is just a lot of moving parts. And so. Well, $2,000 AC units compared to $100 in drains is a little, it's a lot better. Yeah. I think the biggest, I think, you know, just to state very on topic with everything, I think the biggest thing that I recognize is this goes to all people that are smaller companies is, is find out and identify exactly what your biggest strengths are. Yes. What, what are you really strong at and stay focused on that. And I see so many like, companies, stay in your lane. I see so many companies that like they just started plumbing, right? They just started plumbing and they're an HVAC company. And I'm like, okay, you're at $2 million in revenue as an HVAC company. And now you're starting plumbing. You're going sideways. Like very easily, like once you start making money, you can easily be like, oh, I can make money in electrical. I can make money in HVAC. And it's like, no, stay focused. If, on your, well, I, I did that. So I had a $10 million AC business and then decided to go try to do plumbing. And I shut, I shut down plumbing and we've had this conversation. And I said, dude, it, and I'll tell people just, you know, the niche will get you rich. I only do residential changeouts now. I don't fuck with nothing else. That's a real, that's a real you know what? I know you have an amazing business. I'm also going to shout out the Ring Brothers with ProSkill. They ran a phenomenal business and we live very close to them. And I will yeah. say, even great, though they don't know, they were a big mentor for we us. We have a great relationship with them. I came from a customer service background. So my number one priority was like one way we can stand out just very easily is running a five-star business. Reputation. And I don't care if we give back $50,000 on a job. It's worth it because if we have that five-star and a hundred thousand dollar you know, university or church job comes on our table, we're going to win that bid just based off our reputation. But I will say like the Ring Brothers in our area in Arizona, like they really did, you know, provide that five-star experience. They bought in the entire community. They're literally, everybody in Anthem, Arizona uses the ProSkill Brothers. But yeah, they set the bar as far as reputation wise. Reputation, um, it's amazing. And yeah. I mean, well, I mean, obviously you guys are, you guys are scaling fast and, you know, I talked to Jordan he's like, dude, you know, you guys are moving at a hundred miles an hour. And a lot of the reason most people can't catch up to you because you're relentless. You're always moving forward. How do you, cause the ring, the ring brothers, eight, this business was around for a while. They built this reputation and they built it slowly and they built it over time. Well, you guys said, Hey, fuck that. How do I do the same thing in a short amount of time? So kind of explain how you guys pushed that the reviews and the online reputation thing. They're really smart guys, but I will say they've always really stayed in their lane. They knew their, that their air conditioning is where their money was. And if you've seen their shop, like we saw their shop and I was literally jaw to the floor, everything is just like perfectly organized. And I was just like, after I saw their shop, I was like, I never want to go into air conditioning because <laughs> yeah. I know I came fucking two days later. Okay. <laughs> like, holy shit. It These guys crazy. are fast. It's like, what? Did they the like, amount of work just to keep the inventory the way they had it and how organized and I mean it was like that was like 
10 people's jobs. I don't right even there. understand. Like, I was like, you guys are insane. But I also have to shout them out because they brought us to our broker, Brian Cohen, who is a badass with FMP, SFMP, sorry. And um, they really helped us out. I mean, if you're a business who's, you know, trying to be built to sell and you want to sell and maybe you're not where you need to be, if, if you're not ready for market, they're going to tell you everything you need to do to be ready for market. Yeah. And that's a huge thing for us. Well, I think, well, when you're looking at the, the ring brothers, right. And you're looking at the, the overhead stuff and, and you guys, a lot of guys real don't realize how important your overhead is to that bottom line and how much you got to, you got to control that. So I think you got to explain how you guys control that. I know you guys didn't have these big, massive buildings when you started, you guys were kind of running yeah. as lean as possible. Right. Well, again, going back to identifying what it is that you're strong at. It was commission. I, I think that. <laughs> I think that the biggest thing is, is focusing on that to start off your business and, and being able to identify it. Meaning for me in, in our senses, I was a top, I was one of the top sales guys in plumbing in the entire country. So I worked in the field right off the bat to start my company. Mm -hmm. I was out there selling at a high level. I mean, I think the first month in business, 385,000, second month, 300,000, uh, fourth month, we were up to almost 500,000. But that, that was business. huge because if you try to start your business and you can't play with the big dogs when it comes to AdWords, like you're going to be on the fifth page. No one, when they have an emergency flood, is going to the fifth page. So you got to start your business. You're handcuffed with by marketing. Some heavy hitters. And the fact mm -hmm. that he was our heavy hitter, which is like, I would say probably the best in the industry is huge because it allowed us to be able to foot that marketing bill to play with the Ruder Heroes, the Gettles, the, all those big name companies in Arizona. And yeah. if we didn't have that, we wouldn't have taken off because the way we are, like we're master recruiters just because honestly, like I think that we're, we, we genuinely connect with people. And so it was easy for us to pick up. Things were an afterthought. It was how many calls we can get and we will find a way to run them. And there was a time, honestly, where there, we had people working for competitors and they also had a Ruder Raider, Ranger uniform and they would take their uniform and they would put on the Ruder Ranger uniform and they would run that call. And I won't name names, but. I, I did the same thing with Next Gen. Don't worry about it. So <laughs> I, I got I guys wearing their both uniforms. It's all good. You oh, got I, so. Just to continue to talk about like what it is that you can do is like once you identify what it is that you are really, really strong at, you need to, you need to quickly figure out what gaps you need to fill. So you have to produce sales to continue to hire people. You have to produce sales to continue to market. And once you identify what it is that's going to allow you to do that, if you're not a strong sales guy, you have to bring in a strong sales guy. If you're the leader aspect, you're an operator, then fill that void and stay. Don't get out of your lane. Just like don't start a plumbing company when you're, you know, you're when not you're that HVAC strong in company. HVAC. Continue to stay focused on it and vice versa. Stay focused on what your strengths are and then fill in the buckets. And I think that as a business owner, it, it it's very difficult because your ego gets in place so many times where you're like, Oh, I can do that. I did this. I can do that. I did this. I can figure it out. And instead of just filling those buckets and getting the right person in, in that place to then be able to let them drive results and let them focus instead of always, even if sometimes what happens is they bring that guy in and then they keep intervening and they keep intervening. It's the same thing. You want you get to a point of when you're, you're preparing yourself to uh, sell to a private equity firm. What a lot of owners where they fail is they got it all figured out. They know everything. 
that's a huge turnoff for private equity. You don't have it all figured out. You, you only want, got you to want to be humble and you, you want to learn. You only got they to, know way more than you know. You only got to the place that you're in. And that's where you got to. These people are at a whole nother level financially and at a whole nother level of business. You need to take and humble yourself and understand that you're strong and you're going to have added value together, but you're trying to get on their level. And so, you know, we hear it all the time, even with Turnpoint. Let's, let's, we can talk about that, who we just partnered yeah, with. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Mom, they're amazing. Honestly, it's like a, it's just we vibe with their personalities. We just want people who have good sense of humor, who are easygoing, who we know we can take our model and just 10x it and not more than 10x it. Yeah, I mean, 20 exit. <laughs> but hold on. I want to, I do want to give value to the people who are starting out. I do think probably most of the industry has caught on to the fact that you don't really want your plumbers like doing the work who are your sales guys. And I will say that one of our biggest, uh, how we built this so fast was just keeping everybody where they're strong. And I think that like, if you're a really talented people person, you're a great communicator, it's really easy to teach you like how to pop a drain and how to get a supervisor there. But we really built our service department into three different, in, three different, you know, structures. And it's, it's the opener, it's the closer, and then it's the install. And so if you still are having like, your openers close the job, you're really wasting an opportunity for your openers to hit like 10 other calls during that week that they're performing the install. And so the structure of having an opener, a closer and an install team really comes into play on, you know, maximizing your volume and what you can take on. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree? That's, that's one of our. Well, I mean, I think that's the same thing even in HVAC too. So like we have the, the tech, we have the turnover tech, we have the sales guy and we have the installer. And if you want, if you have your best guy, you have your sales guy tied up for a week, you can't make any fucking money. Right. Yeah. And why do you want to tear down a guy who's selling 300,000 a month? Why do you want to tear him down and like doing installs if he's really just strong at communicating with the customer and doing sales? And I, I think some of the big focal points is, is that as you're growing substantially, like in a quick manner, one of the big focal points has to be ensuring that you are making healthy profit dollars. The biggest focus is, you know, we talked about how, how did you ramp up so quickly? Well, we were focused on growth, you know, and, and on gross margins, but we were more focused on EBITDA um, because it's so important. And that's at the end of the day, what and kind reputation. of equity cares about and, prep, and, and reputation. There's um, so many, it's so easy to just do the right thing. And you might think, oh, Dave, But the reality is, is like you're giving back 50 grand, but you're making like hundreds of thousands, if not millions back just by having that clean reputation. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 really important to really focus on the customer service aspect. And again, I think if we really boil it down to the most simplistic format, it really goes back to relationships. Relationships are everything to us. We only focus on our relationships. It's the same thing with our technicians. I hear entrepreneurs all the time they're like, oh yeah, it's the client, it's the client, it's the client. No, it's not the client. It's your employees because your employees are the ones that give your clients what it is that you want. So if you're focusing all of your attention on the relationships between you and the employees, if it was you going out and, and, and interacting with your customers, of course, that should be the top thing is your customers. But the only way your customers are the top of mind and the top thing that you're focused on is if you put that um, that information and that education and all that energy into the relationship of your employees. Because you put that into your employees, 
then your customers are a benefactor of it. Mm -hmm. It's no different than what we put into our employees. We're benefactors of it. Everybody, that's the circulation point. Instead of money being the 100% focal point, it's in the employees. And, and the money is a benefactor of that. Obviously, that's you have to huge. focus on profit. And obviously, you have to make sure you're making money if you want to prepare to sell. But the biggest thing is, is really respecting and treating your employees like their family. Because you can't, everybody talks about it, right? Oh, you're an extension of my family, blah, blah, blah. But actually show it. What's, show, what's the actions? Show that you're indebted to them relationship-wise. I think so many entrepreneurs are like, oh, yeah, well, I make you, I, you, you get a paycheck. I'm above you, you. You get benefits. We're equals. You get this. I give you a truck. I give you this. Well, it's it's a different it's a different environment, too. This isn't 20 years ago. This These are these employees, they want – they are babies. It's the millennials, yeah. man. They got to fucking – you got to nurture them like little babies all day. And if you don't give them that attention, they will go get it somewhere else. And I think – And they have phenomenal ideas. They're seeing all of your issues, everything firsthand. And listening to them is literally the best thing you can do because they're right there. We want to know how to make adjustments quickly and swiftly. We want to stay lean and mean, and we want to be able to be able to make quick adjustments, quick with so, quick with boys. One of the things you know, you know, following you guys is, and I, it's, I, this is what kind of resonates, right? Because I'm, I'm an operator. I'm here every day. And I'm, a, I'm a fucking prisoner. And I see you guys, you guys are able to go on vacations and go have fun and go enjoy yourself. So what, how, how are you able to structure that management to be able to take over when you guys aren't there every day? Leadership, just honestly, you know, I would just say like that 20 minute conversation that you have with that degenerate employee could end up being so life-changing for both of you. And you understand that person better. And now you're able to mentor that person better. And then they're able to mentor the people beneath them. And it's just building that leadership culture where everybody in your organization wants to be a leader wherever they're at. So that when you go on vacation, you know, you've got 20 leaders there watching your back and it's not like you're leaving blind. Yeah. It just trusting people to make mistakes. I think one of the biggest things that's helped me in success in life is, is pushing myself to the next failure point. Like I always try to force myself as quick as possible, the next failure point. I never, you know, was afraid of it. And I think, this will help entrepreneurs as well. It's like you you have to continue to push yourself to the next failure point. Don't try to always just focus on the next pinnacle that you're going to reach. Focus on the next failure point. So you're yeah. prepared to embrace it and, and understand what it's going to take to work through it because the failure points are actually what propel you to the next level right. of pinnacle. It's not the success levels. It's the failure points. That's Everyone's why Everyone's afraid to fail. And I actually we actually learned this from Sarah Blakely, who owns Banks. She's a billionaire now. And she's so humble. And if you follow her, she's amazing. But she's like my dad would tell me every single day, like, what did you fail at today? I want to know what you failed at. And she said it was uncomfortable at first, but eventually she's like, okay, like this is what I failed at. And he's like, okay, great. Like get comfortable with failing because if you can get comfortable with failing, you can grow so much faster than anyone else. Because if anybody thinks about their life and their pinnacles of where they grew, it was always a failure. It's point. always failure. Points. And so you want to push yourself to fail. You don't want to be afraid to fail. So you are, you know, paralysis by analysis. You want to fail. Like, don't be afraid to do that because, okay, you fail, whatever, but you're going to grow from it. And part well, of that. Well, if you guys look back at it, right. In the last couple of years, it hasn't been all fucking rainbows and cupcakes. I mean, what, like a lot of people, they see, they see me, they see you. And I'm like, you guys don't understand. Matt <laughs> Your point. No, like people don't another. understand, like, you know, the 5 a.m. mornings, like, you know, 45 mornings in a row and then waking up at 7 a.m. Because we got four kids and we got to take them to school. And, you know, it's just nonstop. And we worked in overdrive because we had this goal. And, you know, there's the saying, like, 
you know, you, if someone gives you three days to clean your house, it's going to take you three days. But if somebody gives you, if, if your house is on the market and you have your, you know, realtor calls and he's like, Hey, you have a showing in 30 minutes. Somehow you're going to make your house look presentable in 30 minutes. It's the same thing with business is however, the timeline you give yourself is what you'll achieve on or you'll fall short. And I do believe in the Grant Cardone 10X model because even if you fall short, you still fell more than what you thought you could achieve. No, 100%. I mean, I operate the same way as you guys. It's 100 miles an hour and I, I operate the 70-30 rule. Like 70% of the time, I'm going to be right. 30% I'm going to fuck up. But because I'm right. going to be moving so fast that it doesn't matter, you're not. Gonna, I'm going to be able to fix those issues fast. And, and that kind of seems like what you guys do. Yeah. Trusting in people too, like understanding, like empowering so, people, like giving people that power. Yeah, you're gonna. You, not only are you gonna fail, but they're gonna fail too. And I think that it's that constant jockeying for like power, where you're like, okay, I'm gonna give you a little bit of power, and then it's like, oh, I'm gonna take it right back. Oh, because they're failing, right? Instead of actually taking that moment to educate them and use that as an moment where you've been through that exact same failure point and allowing them, and I think that. What comes to fruition is the investment of your people and how you grow them. And that's the biggest thing. If you have, for instance, you asked a question earlier, you said you have two employees. How are you going to grow from there? Invest your relationship into those two employees. If you're not good at recruiting and you're not good at sales, but you can operate a business decently aside of that, invest all of your time in those two people. They'll go recruit for you. They'll go sell for you and put the effort and, and all of the, um, you know, information and educational experiences you have and failure points you have into those two people. And then and try to earn the right to be able to do other things that maybe you're not as strong at and learn from them at the same token. I think that's very, very important. So as we come to a close, cause I know it's like approaching new <laughs> to help the people that are just starting a business. The biggest thing that I would say is we, we put all of our money in, into marketing. So I think it's easy when you become an owner, you're like, okay, so I'm an owner now. I don't really want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with that. I'm making good money. I'm just going to hire, 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 hire. When you hire, 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 now you end up with this huge, you know, office bill every single month that you have to pay and it takes away from your marketing. You really want to put all your money into marketing, try to handle all the office stuff that you can. And that way, you know, the marketing is what drives everything. You're making sure that as you recruit top talent, you're feeding that top talent and you're continuing to grow and attract more top talent versus detracting from your goal and being really office heavy. So Jordan and I really handled everything until like probably what, like the last year. Yeah. Don't be and afraid. It drove to, us crazy. Honestly. Don't be afraid to wear but as many you hats you have very quick goals, like you want to sell in three and a half years from start to finish. Like you really have to be able to wear every hat. And I think that that's huge because I know in the beginning, it was like a matter of like Jordan meeting with investors saying, you know, do we get this person involved and take this amount of money up front? And thank God we never did. And I was so against doing that because we would have owed them a certain percentage of our company, A, but B, like you sit there and you don't know how your company was even ran. Like you're buying or you're acquiring and it's good to go in and know every single position. We both know how to do payroll. We both know how to do everything forwards, backwards. And we learned that because we 
ourselves first so we can effectively train it and improve the process. Well, one of the other things I, you know, I think of as, as a, as an entrepreneur, right? Like you, how did you get your team aligned on your goals? Cause you guys already had an exit plan, right? So your team has to also be involved in that, right? Your managers and stuff like that. How did you involve them and get them to align with, Hey, look, we're going to grow this thing to sell it and keep them engaged. I mean, we brought them in day one, you know, we brought them in. They and, were uh, all deep built. relationships. Yeah. We, again, for years, we built the relationships. It's how we built it from the beginning. It's all established off the relationships and trust. And, and if you don't have trust, nobody's going to buy in. And so that goes again, back to the, the simple aspect. If you're not investing your time and efforts into your employees, they're not going to trust you. Just like you expect your employees to show up to a customer's house and spend money with them but they're not investing in the relationship. They're just showing up and providing an estimate and saying, here, this is going to cost you $20,000. But if the focal point is building a relationship first and foremost, and actually investing quality time with that customer and that customer feels that transparency and that real energy, they're going to invest back into the company. And the same thing with your employees, they're going to invest the, just as much energy back into the company. One of our key things is our top employees have equity. So yeah, that, that's what I was going to circle back on. So like you, obviously a lot of people don't realize, and they're so scared to like invest in their employees and offer the equity and stuff, but those guys will go fucking do, they'll run through a wall for you. If you can, if you can align them correctly. Right. Yeah. Our employees, our Daniel Byers, our Bobby Greens, like they will kill for us. Like Bobby is fucking out getting life for every single state in the United States for us. And it's because we've never steered them wrong. We've provided them equity. We've provided them equity, and we just always great, kept our we're word. We're great friends with him. We just always kept our you word. You know, like he wants to work hard for us, and we want to provide him the best living we can. And I'll tell you right now, it, it, for companies who are preparing to get to that point of selling, um, and, and are excited about it, embrace that moment. Do do that. Don't be greedy. Do that in, in a fashion that. Um, respects everything it is that got you to where you are. Understand that process and, and use that as the blueprint going forward because your future partners have to emulate that exact same type of thing. Turnpoint services for us, we met, we, we almost sold to three different professional athlete teams, you know, professional sports teams, I should say. You know, a couple of baseball teams were interested in us, a uh, basketball team. And but it, the, was, it wasn't the right but, platform for us or our team. It, and it wasn't. And the, these guys are guys who are multi-billionaires who just have money to, to invest in the personal side, you know, probably to, you know, work out their taxes a little bit, but they have no direction of how to grow a business inside of our industry. And so the biggest thing is, is understanding who it is that you're partnering with and what their ultimate goals are. And TurnPoint Services for us, they were all about the relationships. They're humble, genuine guys who want to grow a business and actually care about their employees. And they've shown it. They've given equity away. They've paid people. They've mm -hmm. made millionaires. And so the owner was actually a garbage man. And so if you talk about humble, like he is the most humble guy you will ever meet. And he is also one of the most smartest guys you'll ever meet. <laughs> so Not they're smartest, smartest, smartest. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're amazing to do business yeah so so now so now you guys obviously you guys sold a you know percentage of your business now you guys are going to be obviously become a, na a national platform and yeah. and with that what are you know if there is anybody on here that's like hey i, I want to be on um, i want to be part of that platform i want to be part of what the bbs are doing where do they go for that like what, what would they do they would call brian cohen yeah they can uh, call he's, or he's they the top he's the top broker in the industry if you're not ready to sell he's going to tell you what you need to do to be ready to sell but also he's hilarious. We enjoy his company. 
He's again, like Dane Cook. He's like a Vince Vaughn. He's again, like a relationship guy. Um, you know, it's all built off of relationships. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where if you really want, if you feel like you're at the point of where you want to take chips off the table, um, just understand that you're going to um, have to humble yourself. You're going to have to realize that, you know, because you have to recognize we, your flaws. We see so many times, like when dealing with entrepreneurs, again, it's like they think their marketing is the best. They think what they got going on is the best. And, and that's great and fine and dandy. Be excited about what you're doing, but also understand that there's so many other people that can help you in the areas that you're not strong they're at. They're going to improve you. Yeah. And you're, everybody's strong at certain things, but they're not strong at others. And you just have to recognize that. And once you recognize that early on, it's, it's obviously the better. Um, but the quicker that you can recognize that, the better off you're going to be, especially going into a partnership because it's a whole nother marriage. You know, so if if you're already having difficulties in your current marriage, you probably shouldn't get into a another partnership because um, that's exactly what it is. And it's entrusting in others. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. But, you know, if you have the right people in place, it's not that bad. But I will say that for us, like people always ask us, why did you sell? Why did you sell? You guys had so much momentum. For us, it was because if multiples have doubled and so whatever our EBITDA is, we're getting you know, twice as much right now because of COVID and the whole buzz with essential services. What if it's not like that in two years? So in two years, you bust your ass, you double your business. And now all of a sudden you're worth well, how much well, you were two years ago. It makes sense to take chips off the, the table and partner with a huge company with financial backing, with buying power. Because you, you have to understand, like these people are getting radio campaigns, commercial campaigns, ads. They're getting it at bottom of the barrel prices because they have so many people in their portfolio that they're representing. So it makes sense as a business to partner with somebody like that, go to a bigger scale, take chips off the table, you know, secure your family wealth, and then also continue to grow. Well, I'm, I'm looking at the, you know, a lot of people, you know, don't, aren't really talking about it, but I mean, we got a fucking piece of shit president and we're looking at new capital gains laws too. So, you know, making that deal now, rather than waiting till this fucker goes and changes capital gains is, is another thing too. Yeah. Yeah. Just being smart overall, as far as, you know, the business aspects and protecting your family and protecting your investment. And obviously we don't want to retire because we're so young. I'm 32. He's 36. We want to continue to grow the brand. We have plans to bring it national. We have our QP in every single state right now. And that that's what we're passionate about. But it's just good to know that if all else fails, which it won't because we, we don't have plans to fail, we are still protected. Yeah, our goal is by the end of 2024 is to be $250 million in revenue. Um, so, you know, with where we started at late 2017, um, that'd be seven years in growing to $250 million in revenue. Um, and that's 95% organically. So we're, we're super excited. Well, no, it's hundred percent. We've never acquired. Well, I'm saying there's probably going to be, a, you know, I would assume along the way in the next year, so there may be some acquisition. So just guessing. Um, but the goal is obviously to get there organically. Um, anybody that is a smaller company or a mid-sized company or anybody that wants to talk or, you know, uh, share best practices, we're open to it. You know, we love to we help people. Love we love mentoring. We've, we've probably, we're close to like 12 of our employees have actually started their own businesses. And it does make us proud if they go about it, obviously, the right way. Yeah, it's 
That's, I look at it like this. I look at it like this. If if they become competition, they better become good competition. Don't be the low ball piece of shit, you know. And I want to help you learn how to get better. And don't don't yeah, build don't your try company, to build your off, company off, off our, our back and steal our employees and be sneaky about it. But like we've had some employees that are like, hey, like I'm just ready to go to the next level. Like I, you guys, I want to be like you guys. I want to start my own thing. And there's just so much respect for that versus sneaking around and doing the wrong thing and making bad decisions and trying to recruit the guys that we've like poured so much resources into. But when you do it the right way, it is proud. Cause it is a dying industry plumbing. No one's trying to play and poop and pee. And well, it's dying. It's dying in the, in the respects of workforce. It's, right. it's growing oh, substantially yeah. People, and, I mean, pipes are only getting and what's available for, for work. Um, so, you know, and that's why it's so important again, if you're a growing company to be ahead of the curve and look at the trends and pay attention to what's going on and, in the marketplaces and train your guys in house. If you want to grow, you know, plant the seeds and start growing your own fruits. You got to start to, to really focus on that because if you don't do that, you're going to continue to lag behind and lag behind. And then they're the, also the great part about it is, is they're built in house with your principles, your values, your beliefs, everything yeah. that it is that you want. And that bleeds over to all your employees in a positive manner. And so it is, it is essential that you are doing that at the same time, constantly recruiting. You don't right. ever stop recruiting, by the way. You should always yeah, continue you recruiting. Recruit. You should be recruiting at all times. Even you can if get you the feel, calls, put more money into marketing. Even well, if you, you can't take any more people on, recruit. Force yourself to change and adapt. Force yourself to grow. If you really choose that you want to grow, then commit Tell to that. Tell them about how we had capital assets sending us like 10 bands a month. And we're like, we'll fill them, we'll fill them. Yeah, we weren't even prepared to. we didn't to. even we know set, how to fill them, but we're like, we'll find a way to fill we, them. We signed, we signed a contract with a capital asset company. And we said, listen, pump 10 vans a month to us over the next two years. We don't know how we're going to fill them, but we're going to fill them. And we, didn't, we, we had no game plan as far as the vans were concerned. We were just focused on recruiting. We knew we, had, we were going to fill them. We were going to find a way. And at one point in a couple of months, we were like, hey, I know you said 10, but we need 40 this month. Oh, <laughs> shit. And he was like, uh, well, fans are tough to get a hold of right now. But, okay, let me see what I can do. And we got like 25. So, like, push yourself to uncomfortable places at all times, to failure points. Even to a point of sometimes, you know what, it financially hurts you. But understand that you got to create a game plan off it. Don't be don't be so narrow minded to say, hey, whatever path you're going, it's just the path you're going, and you're, you don't have to make any adjustments. You'll figure it out. Make adjustments when you fail. Sit back and reanalyze and figure out what it is that you failed, why you failed, then create a blueprint off of that. You don't go back to that same place. And so many times people just go back and forth like a teeter totter. And you got to stay focused on what your end goal is. Goals down. That's that, another thing. That helps. Just writing the goals down and, and, creating, down. and creating a timeline for them. Just like she said, if you have a messy house and you say, oh, three days to clean this puppy. If you give yourself 30 minutes to do it, you'll do the same damn job that you did in three days. So create timelines for all of your goals and make sure you meet them. And if you don't meet them, go back and figure out why you didn't meet it. Why didn't you meet it? Analyze that. Figure out what it is and then reassess your goals. And you got to constantly do that. And you should have short, mid, and long-term goals. And you have to constantly look back and see exactly where you're at on those. As I look back on everything I wrote down, I have a notepad my wife gave we me a long time ago. We still have them. And it's, it's adorable. Says, it says, make your dreams come true. And it's a little blue book. And I look back, every single one. She's I went back. Voice. 
and I it's turquoise, but I checked off every single goal. There isn't one goal on there. Blew every goal out of the water. But the, had he not written it down, maybe it would have never happened. Well, it, it does. If you don't write it down, you don't put a date on it. It's not fucking real. So yeah. it's just just how it is. So, well, like I said, it's you know it's been a pleasure talking to you guys, and we kind of got to wrap this thing up now. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I sit on the outside looking in, guys. Like I said, and I, I'm impressed with everything you guys do. And, and obviously, as someone else that operates fast, I'm like, fuck, these guys are operating faster. So, you know, and Jordan's been a good mentor to me for the last couple of years. So, I want to say thank you guys for coming on. I want to say congratulations, first and foremost, for everything you guys got going on in your life and your business. You guys got a beautiful family. We love following you guys. So, uh, is there anything else you guys want to wrap up and say to the people uh, that are listening? Um, you know, congratulations to you yeah, as I well, Vic. Yeah, I congratulate you. I are blowing up right now. Your, your podcast on Service Hero. Make sure that I you love just, your your uh, Service Hero app. Yeah, make so sure if you guys haven't subscribed to that. That's an amazing resource. We're on that. Yeah, make yeah. sure you and respect and kudos for everything that he's you know doing for the industry. He's busting his ass. You know, the the thing is, is this is one thing I'll tell you is don't judge another contractor out there for what you believe is or isn't going on, reach out, help each other, be there for each other. At the end of the day, I, as I started to think about it, I'm like, you know, just think about the private equity aspect and think about all, all the things that are going on in our industry and plumbing, electrical, HVAC, and understand plenty of work to go around. There's plenty of money to be made, but think about this as one united front or a couple united fronts, what we can all do together. Um, you know, and, and raising the bar and raising the tide together. And that's so important. You know, some of the guys that are just getting all their work from just lowballing everybody else, your, your life doesn't have to be like that. You can raise the tide with everybody else and you can take yourself and elevate yourself. And honestly, instead of being stuck in a position where you're just over, over here lowballing other people to get your work, you could actually become those big companies by raising the tide with them and understanding that, hey, competitive nature is is in all in all of us otherwise you wouldn't be an entrepreneur and it's a great thing but don't be afraid of it you know embrace it enjoy it and, and help each other grow fuck yeah man well you guys are fucking awesome thank you guys for coming on we're going to continue to watch you guys if you don't follow them on social media it's uh Brittany posts some funny ass shit jordan's not the best dancer but he's pretty good at it uh, <laughs> but they so yeah follow them on instagram and social media uh Thank you guys again. We will be in touch, man. Have a good day. Awesome. We appreciate you guys. Thank yep, you. Thank you so much. Later, bro. Yep, later. Bye.